unusual story that is contained there in uh, Judges, the 13th through the 16th chapter. A very unusual man, as you take a look at Samson and his life. Uh, he is very strong physically, but character-wise, he is very weak. He's crude, he's cruel, he's carnal, but he's God's man. It is amazing. What a story that is contained there in Judges the 13th through the 16th chapter. The last judge in the book of Judges, and he takes up more space than any other judge that is uh, we read about in the book of Judges. And in Judges the 13th chapter, there is an announcement, actually, and that's part of what Colby read for us this morning, that an angel of the Lord comes to this Danite couple, this man and the woman, and she is barren, and it is announced that he, she is going to have a child. It's kind of reminiscent of other times in the Scriptures when there are special announcements in regards to children that are going to be born. And so there's this special announcement in Judges the 13th chapter in regards to Samson. And we'll notice also in Judges 13 and verse 5, and that is part of what Colby read, that it says at that time that he will begin to deliver the children of Israel. <laughs> and as we've been studying the book of Judges, they definitely need to be delivered. <laughs> and he says that God says that he will begin to deliver. And I think we'll come to a little better understanding of that statement by the time we work our way through this lesson. So as you read Judges chapter the 13th chapter, and there is this announcement that is made to this couple that they are going to have a child. It's almost with eager anticipation that you think in chapter 14, what great thing is now he going to do since this child has been selected by God and he's going to begin to deliver the children of Israel. And so you turn to chapter 14 and you start to read. And chapter 14 starts off with a huge... Thud. <laughs> Here's Samson. He's now grown. He's an adult. And the very first thing that he does is he heads down to Timnah. That's enemy territory. And he sees a Philistine woman. This is a woman of the enemy. And he tells his parents, she looks good to me. Get her for me. Now pause for a second there. God announces this child is going to be born. And he also tells the mother that this child will be a Nazarite. A Nazarite is one who is dedicated to God. You can read about it in Numbers, the sixth chapter. At the close of chapter 13, it says that the Spirit of the Lord begins to move upon him. The Spirit of the Lord begins to move upon him. 
And what's the very first thing he does in chapter 14? He heads for enemy territory, checking out the girls down there. <laughs> you know kind of what you want to say at that point if you could talk to Samson? What are you doing? Do you remember who you are? And why are you down here? And why are you anxious to marry this woman from among your enemies? Who back in chapter 13 and verse 1 have been oppressing your people. Kind of makes me think of 1 Corinthians the 15th chapter, doesn't it you? In about verse 33. Where it says, Evil companions corrupt good morals. And you want to say, Samson, you're hanging out with the wrong crowd. But this is Samson. And he has trouble with women. And we'll come to see as you read through the 13th through the 16th chapter. He has trouble with women all of his life. And he has trouble hanging out with the wrong people all of his life. Selfish ambition, fleshly desire, following his own heart, doing what he wants to do when he wants to do it. That's Samson. And we'll see. That's his weakness. And it gets him into a lot of trouble. But this is the guy that God says he's going to begin to deliver Israel. And so as you begin to read chapter 14, and the way it begins, you kind of think to yourself, this is not exactly the shining star I had in mind from chapter 13, when God says He's going to be a Nazarite from birth, dedicated to me, and begin to deliver Israel. And you're thinking, wow, He's going to be something. But then this is the way it starts off. And most of the time, when the Spirit of the Lord does come upon Him, sometimes He does strike the enemy. But most of the time, it's kind of out of self-anger and self-serving that he does it. Not really serving God. It's more like serving Samson, even though God has blessed him with this great strength that he has. And so as you start to read, there's a real interesting verse in chapter 14 and about verse 4. Because Samson's parents are bewildered by the fact that this is their child that God told them was going to be a Nazarite and begin to deliver the children of Israel. And yet here he is getting ready to get tied up with this foreign woman. Chapter 14 and verse 4 it says, 
But his father and his mother did not know that it was of the Lord. That he was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines. For at that time, the Philistines had dominion over Israel. See, the parents are confused. This is the child. And yet, this is what he's doing. But verse 4 says, they don't realize this is of the Lord. The Lord's allowing this. And it goes on to say that at this time the Philistines had dominion rule over the children of Israel. You know what that's saying? God was supposed to have dominion. These are His people. These are His people. And somebody else has got dominion over them. Got rule over them. Those are my people. You know what that's like? Men? How about somebody's coming after your wife? He said, Time out, buddy. (laughs) We ain't going there. That's mine. That's my wife. Parents? What about if somebody's trying to lead your kids off into something that can be very destructive for them? And you say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. (laughs) Those are my kids. See, that's what God said in Deuteronomy, the fourth chapter, when He was talking about Israel. And it says that He is a jealous God. And He is a consuming fire. Those are my people. You think I'm just going to let them go? So as you start to read in Judges 13 and Judges 14, you got to see what's going on here. Here's the birth. Here's the life. Eventually it's going to be His death. But God is going after His people. Somebody's got them. And I want them back. And so it says, He will begin to deliver the children of Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. This is a rescue mission. So as we begin, Judges chapter 13, I'm going to read verses 5 through 7 again. Or... 6 and 7 for the first time. Verse 5 again. So Judges 13 and verse 5. It says, For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver the children out of the hand of the Philistines, children of Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. 
So the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came to me, and his countenance was like the countenance of the angel of God. Very awesome. But I did not ask him where he was from, and he did not tell me his name. And he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now drink no wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. You shall conceive, bear a son, he'll be a Nazarite. So here's Samson. He's the final judge in the book of Judges. More verses dedicated to him than any other judge. And yet what you have as you read through Judges 13 through 16, you have a very strong man physically. He is a riddle. That's a riddle. Telling, womanizing, egotistical, morally weak, complicated puzzle that the Holy Spirit has preserved His story for us and God wants us to look at it and see what He's telling us. But you have to pick that thing up. And you have to take a good look at it. And you have to roll it over. And you have to examine it to see what's contained there. Some writers suggest the escapades of Samson are embarrassing to speak of. One writer stated, these are probably some of the best known, least least preached on texts in the Bible. You know why that is? I'm going to tell you plainly. Just to kind of summarize, as you read Samson's story, this is sex and killing. And then there's sex and there's killing. And then there's sex and there's more killing. And we thought Hollywood was bad. You ever heard the phrase, sex and violent cells? Well, the Holy Spirit was writing about it a long time ago before Hollywood discovered it. And so some say, oh, we know these texts, we just don't like to talk about them. And some writers say it's almost embarrassing. But this has been preserved for us. And there's a reason. Judges, the 13th chapter, verse 24. So the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him, and Maniah, Dan, between Zorah and Esteol. He grew. The Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him. What's that mean? I don't know. The Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him. It doesn't tell me exactly 
what that means. But stop and think about that for a moment. It kind of le- the story kind of leaps ahead. You're not told a lot about while he's a baby and while he's a small child. He grows. He's grown. The Spirit of the Lord begins to move upon him. Let me ask you this question. He's supposed to be dedicated to God from his birth. His mother and father see this angel of the Lord that announces that he's coming. Do you think they ever told him that story? It would be incredibly odd if they didn't tell him that story, wouldn't it be? Now, son, you're supposed to be a Nazarite from birth. Let me explain to you what that means. And then as he gets older, it says the Spirit of the Lord begins to move upon him. I don't know exactly what form that took, but the point, I believe, is this. Hey, Samson, don't forget who you are. And don't forget who you belong to. And don't forget what you're supposed to be doing in life. Okay, got it. Now I'm heading to Timna. That's what that's telling us. The Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him. And then he heads to Tim. See, as we read this story and we're told various times about this incredible strength that he had, do you think he ever thought, why am I so strong? Above and beyond any and all men, multiple men, I am strong. Where did that come from? Well, my parents told me. (laughs) And then I have this gift. So how should I use this gift that I have been blessed with? Oh, I'll use it for me. You think that ever happens in life? God blesses us. And then we think, He blessed me so I could use it for me. That's the level that Samson operates on. Not a spiritual level. On a carnal level. That's where he lives. So even though he has incredible physical strength, his personal character is weak. And it's almost like it's out of control. In regards to Samson, there was an old time preacher that one time said, Old Testament biographies oftentimes were written not for our imitation but for our instruction. The Apostle Paul agrees with that, doesn't he? Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. And so as you read Samson's story, you you got to learn something. 
We don't have time to read all of 13 through 16, but I am going to summarize some things for you because you need to know the story and you need to know the events and how it transpires and kind of how it unfolds. So in Judges chapter 13 and verse 1, it says, Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And as you read Samson's story, and as you read the rest of the book of Judges, you come to understand what that means. When it says they did evil again in the eyes of the Lord, what that's really saying is they did what was right in their own eyes. Instead of being concerned about what's right in God's eyes, they just want to do what's right in their own eyes. And that's the way Samson is. You know, we studied the book of, or chapter 1 a few weeks ago. And we noted, I'll just mention this quickly, that when the children of Israel first settled in the land, they were off to a good start, a good beginning. They inquired of the Lord, what should we do? And He responded and told them what should they do. But shortly thereafter, you remember what happened? They first asked, and then they start to kind of compromise a little. And then as you read on through the book of Judges, it's we ask a little, and then we do a little. And then we get to where we don't even ask. We just kind of do what we want. And pretty soon, it's every man's doing what is right in his own eyes. And that's the evil. No longer concerned about what God wants. It's what they're going to do. What is right in their own eyes. Does that sound familiar? It's what Samson did. It's what Israel did. Isn't that kind of what we do? God gives us life, blesses us, talents, blessings. Then we just kind of do what we want to do. And so as you read this story... They begin to compromise, and then it kind of starts this downward trajectory. And pretty soon, it leads to idolatry and moral anarchy. And as we'll see this coming week in our study on Wednesday nights, it'll lead to a bloody civil war. Israel's collective character has become deeply flawed. In fact, as you read this story, their character has become so flawed that they no longer even cry out for God to deliver them. Now let me pause a minute. Let me ask you a question. They are sinking. We sing this sometimes. Sinking deep in sin. Previously, when their enemies had overrun them, they would cry out to the Lord. And the Lord would have pity on them and He would send a deliverer. And He would save them from their enemies and then they would be faithful for a little while. And then pretty soon they'd start to slip into sin again. And then pretty soon their enemies are overrunning them. And that cycle's repeated. But this time they've gone so far that they're not even crying out anymore. 
You ever known anybody like that? There was a time when they really struggled maybe against something in their life. Some kind of sin or something. And then they just kind of <clears throat> they just kind of get to the point where it's it's the way it is. This is my life. I don't even fight it anymore. It's kind of what Paul's talking about over in Ephesians, the second chapter, when he talks about the Gentiles. They were in darkness. But in chapter 2 and verse 4, he says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. You know what that's saying? He's saying to those Gentiles, you were dead in sin. But God, this is what He did for you through Jesus Christ. This is really where the story of Samson comes in. And at this point, the Spirit of the Lord has started to move upon Samson. But he just hasn't connected the dots yet. You have been given life. You have been given purpose. You have been given blessings. And you're using them for who? For yourself. Totally for yourself. You are dead. In your trespasses and your sins. Israel, you are dead in your trespasses and sins. You don't even cry out anymore. So the story of Samson is the story of Israel. But the amazing thing about this is. At various times, and we read it, God's Spirit moves upon Samson. He doesn't deserve it, but God does it. And then you'll see some astounding thing that he does. So what we come to understand is this. God is not limited by faithless people. This truly is amazing grace. That when they didn't deserve it, He still acted on their behalf. So even though they don't cry out for deliverance, in chapter 13 when the birth of Samson is announced. He says he'll begin to deliver. He'll begin to deliver them from the Philistines. You remember Romans 5, verse 8? 
For while we were still in our sins, God sent His Son to die for us. Were we crying out for a Savior? For the most part? No. That's amazing grace. And God's saying, they're mine. I'm coming for So in chapter 13 and verse 25, it says, The Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him. Character-wise, he's not changed, but he's privileged, and he's tasting the strength of the Lord, and there will be flashes, and then he'll fall back. Let's make a spiritual application. Contemporary spiritual application. Anybody know what next Sunday is? (laughs) It's Easter, isn't it? (laughs) Do you know what two days of the year that the most people will attend a worship service? Easter and Christmas. Two days of the year. You know what I used to do when I would preach about Christmas and Easter? I would be critical. I'm not going to do that anymore. (laughs) I see that a little bit different now. Because for whatever reason, people may think about Jesus Christ, they may think about the sacrifice that He made, they may think about His resurrection, and they will come and attend a worship next Sunday. That's kind of like that little spurt of God's Spirit moving on Samson. It's a little bit of strength. And for a day, a couple of days, a week, maybe they'll once again try. That's a good thing. But they may struggle. And they may fall back. So the Spirit comes on Samson. And he acts. But then the Spirit leaves and he falls back. So as we look at this story, I'm going to recount it for you quickly. Chapter 13 is the announcement of his birth and that he's to be a Nazarite. At the close of chapter 13, the Spirit of the Lord begins to move upon him. Chapter 14, what's he do? He goes to Timnah and he sees this Philistine woman and he wants his parents to get her for him. And on the way to Timnah, He kills a lion. You ever thought about that? You ever seen a lion up close? (laughs) They're kind of scary. (laughs) And he kills this lion with his bare hands. He's on his way to Timnah. What do you think the message is that God is sending to Samson? 
Samson, do you remember who you are? Do you remember what you're supposed to be doing? And have you thought about where you're going? You just killed a lion. Do you think everybody does that? No. But the Lord was with him. But it doesn't faze him. He keeps right on going. And then, there's going to be a wedding feast. And Samson's kind of a sharp guy. And he poses this riddle. And makes it kind of a challenge. You know what the Philistines do? They take his bride-to-be and they convince her to find out the answer to that riddle. And you know what this Philistine woman does? She gives that information to the Philistines. Betrays her own husband (laughs) to her people. So you know what Samson does? He goes and kills 30 men. (laughs) Samson, once again, you think everybody just can do this? Who are you, Samson? And where are you? And what are you doing? And so, he's upset about all this. And he goes home. Kind of like he's pouting about it. And so when he goes home and he stays there for a while... Pretty soon he comes back for his wife. Where's his wife? His new father-in-law gave her away. (laughs) I thought you were really upset about all this. So I gave her to your best man. Once again, Samson's miffed. So you know what he does? He comes against them with a great slaughter. And then he goes and he catches 300 foxes. Samson, who are you? Where are you? And what are you doing? Do you think everybody can catch 300 foxes, Samson? Have you forgotten who you are? And so what he does is he attaches a torch to the tails of these and turns them loose into their fields and their standing grain and destroys their crops. And the Philistines, they're upset about this. So you know what they do? They deploy for battle against Israel. I want you to think about this. Samson has done all of these things. Don't you think word has gotten out? It has to the Philistines. And don't you think word has gotten out to his own people? And so now the Philistines come and they are ready to do battle with Israel. You know what Israel does? Uh, Excuse me. Uh, Why are you (laughs) acting like you're ready for war? Because we want Samson. Oh, you want one of ours. Our enemy wants one of ours. Let me get him for you. 3,000 go to see Samson. And they tell him. You know what they tell him? Don't you know 
that the Philistines rule over us? <laughs> the strongest guy we got. And we're just going to turn him over to the enemy. So Samson says, well, just please agree not for you not to kill me. So they say, okay. And so they bind him and they lead him off to the Philistines. And when the Philistines see him, they start to shout. You know what happens? Samson breaks loose from the cords. He takes the jawbone of a donkey and he kills a thousand Philistines. You know why the children of Israel were ready to turn over Samson? Those Philistines, they can be dangerous folks. Because Samson, after you burned their fields, you know what they did? They burned your ex-wife and her father. If they'll kill their own, they'll kill us. Samson, we don't want to die. <laughs> We're okay with you dying, but we don't want to die. We're afraid to die. So we'll give you up, Samson. But what does God do? God said, no, it ain't that easy. It ain't happening. And so Samson kills a thousand Philistines. They didn't cry out for deliverance. But God delivered them from death. He, they, he delivered Samson from death. I want to read to you from chapter 15 and verse 18. This is amazing. Chapter 15 and verse 18. This is after Samson kills a thousand of these Philistines with that jawbone of a donkey. It says, Then he became very thirsty. So he cried out to the Lord and said, You have given this great deliverance by the hand of your servant. And now shall I die of thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? You gave me the ability to kill a thousand Philistines and I'm thirsty. Are you just going to let me die here? <laughs> kind of reminiscent of some other times with Israel, isn't it? But he says, notice in verse 18, and this gives you insight into Samson also. He says, your servant. Really, Samson? Is that the way it is now? Because Samson, it seems like you're blind. And you haven't really been using your strengths to serve God. But he's delivered you. And you're a lot like Israel. God's delivered them lots of times. But they just keep going back to doing what's right in their own eyes. 
So in chapter 13 and verse 5, it says, He begins to deliver from the hands of the Philistines. Very quickly, Samson was chosen by God. He was set apart by God. He was given special blessings by God with a purpose from God. Isn't that pretty reminiscent of Israel? In fact, over in Deuteronomy, the seventh chapter is where God tells them, I didn't choose you because of your righteousness. I didn't choose you because you were more or mightier than other people. I chose you because of the promise I had made to your fathers. You know what the promise was? That through these people, I'm going to bring one that will bless all nations. And so God called them. And he preserved them. And he blessed them. And he had a purpose for them. But time and time again, they failed in that purpose. But God in his mercy would keep delivering. And just like Samson kept chasing after foreign women, they keep chasing after foreign gods. And you can read about it in Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Hosea and Micah and other places over and over and over again. So in chapter 15 and verse 18, Samson cries out for water. And it's kind of reminiscent of Israel when they first came out of Egyptian bondage. God parted the Red Sea. They walked over on dry ground. Within three days, they're complaining. And they're saying, did you bring us out here to die? You parted the Red Sea. Don't you think God can give you water? Did you ask? No, you just started complaining. Samson chased after the foreign people around him. Israel wanted to be like the nations around them. And because of that, they failed in their calling. And they failed in their purpose. Chapter 16. I want you to notice verse 1 and 2. And we'll move down through this quickly. Now Samson went to Gaza. And he saw a harlot there. And went into her. And when the Gazites were told, Samson has come here. They surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. They were quiet all night saying in the morning when it is daylight we will kill him. There's Samson. Once again, because of his weakness, he has gone to Gaza. You know where Gaza is? That's in Philistine territory. He's a long ways from where he ought to be. Samson, who are you? And what are you doing here? And yet there's this harlot there and he goes there and now they realize that he's there. The gates of the city are closed and they said, we'll wait till in the morning and then we'll kill him. So at midnight, you know what happens? Here's that famous story about Samson. At midnight he goes and he pulls up the gates, the posts and everything and he carries him to the hill that is facing Hebron. You know how far that is? It's between 30 and 40 miles. 
uphill. And he's got the gates and he's got the posts and everything. Samson! Do you think everybody does that? Where did you get that strength? Don't you remember who you are? And then in verses 4 through 21, probably the most famous Samson story of them all, it's Samson and Delilah. Samson and Delilah. And you want to ask again, Samson, who are you? And where are you? And so... The Philistines want to know what's the strength or what's the secret to his strength. And so Delilah is going to try to get that information from him. And he tells her one thing and then he tells her another and each time he is bound and she will say that the Philistines are upon you and he will jump up, break himself loose and they won't be able to take him or overpower him. He will overpower them. But she begins or continues to beg and to plead with him until finally, until finally, he tells her where his strength is from and that it's in his hair. He's a Nazarite. So she lulls him to sleep on her lap. And once he's asleep, she has some others come and they cut his hair. And then afterwards, she cries out, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he springs up just like before, but he didn't realize you cut your hair. And when you cut your hair, you cut ties with the Lord. And so the Lord went with him. And so they overpowered him. Why don't you think about that a minute? How did he get there? You know how he got there? Same way he got to Timnah. <laughs> Same way he got to Gaza. Same way he's now with Delilah. It's the lust of the eye. And it's the lust of the flesh. And you know what else you're seeing in reading this story? The pride of life. That's the way sin comes in. It may come through all three of those avenues. It may come through any one of those avenues. But with Samson, the Satan had them all. The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Because after he had slain those thousand Philistines, he said, your servant, are you going to let me die? Read the following verses after that in chapter 15 and at the close of chapter 15. God will provide water. And do you know who Samson will name that place after? <laughs> Take a guess. 
is not God. There's a name that is given there that it means the spring of the collar. He named it after himself. Is that the pride of life? Yeah. And that's where Samson lived. In those days, there was no king in Israel. No restraint. And everyone did what was right in their own eyes. That's Samson. That's Israel. Samson needed to see that. Israel needed to see that. So the Philistines capture Samson. They take him to Gaza. They gouge out his eyes. And they make him a grinder. And so he's just a captive. He's broken. He's weak. No more pride left. And he's working for the Philistines. But then one day, they decide to have a celebration. Because our God... Dagon has given us victory over our enemy Samson. Let's celebrate our God. So go get Samson and bring him out here so we can have a little fun with this. So that's what they do. They go and get Samson from prison. They have a lad lead him out there, a young man lead him out there. You know what Samson does? He says, let me feel the pillars upon which this temple stands. And they help him. This lad helps him. Place his hands. Verse 28. Then Samson called to the Lord saying O Lord God remember me I pray strengthen me I pray just this once O God that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple and he braced himself against them. One on his right, one on his left. Then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all of his might. And the temple fell on the lords and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. 
let me die with the Philistines. See, previously, Lord, (laughs) give me some water here because you know it's all about me. And now, blinded, broken, no more lust of the eye, no more lust of the flesh, no more pride of life. Let me die serving you. Previously, he didn't want to die. Previously, the children of Israel didn't want to die. When he was doing what was right in his own eyes, he didn't want to die. And he was using God's gifts just as he saw fit. But when his eyes were put out, then he could see where his strength came from and who he ought to be serving. When he was blinded, he was set free. So in verse 30 it says, In his death, he killed more enemies than he did in his life. It's an interesting prayer, isn't it? He prayed like it all depended on God. But he pushed like it all depended on him. And that's what God wanted all along. Serve me with all your might, Samson. That's what he wants from us. That's what God wanted Israel to see. So that's why it says in in chapter 13, he began to deliver the children of Israel. In other words, Israel... Take a look at this man. And you can see yourself. That's what I'm trying to save you from. You think those Philistines are your enemies? You know who the real enemy is? It's Satan. It's lust of the eye and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. That's your real enemy. And that's what makes you afraid of dying. But I can take that away. So Samson began to deliver Israel. God wanted them to see one of their own. And if you read the conclusion there, it's really interesting. After all of those Philistines die, guess who shows up? Israelites. Coming into enemy territory to get one of their own and you know where they take him they take him home they take him home Samson's name is in the book of Hebrews the 11th chapter he served God in his death 
Apostle Paul said in Romans 6 and verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of the life that causes us to sin and be separated from God. That's what brings death. But through Jesus Christ, we can be set free. I'm going to extend the invitation now. And if we can help you in any way making your relationship right with the Lord, we invite you to come while together we stand, while we sing.